Um, so this video we're going to talk about what some of the effects of being in a narcissistically abusive relationship can be. Um, most of the clients I see at the moment are coming out of some kind of um, narcissistic abuse. I use this as a, as a catch-all term for anything that is in you know, the abusive, toxic personality cluster of, of traits. So you could be dealing with somebody who is a psychopath or more properly has antisocial personality disorder, mixed or comorbid with borderline, histrionic, obsessive compulsive personality issues, um, somebody who is, you know, a rageaholic, all of these different kinds of things. Other psychology researchers would call that the dark triad or the dark tetrad, where you're mixing narcissism, borderline, sadism, Machiavellianism, you know, in other videos I've called them the zombie, the, the zombie witch doctors because of the awful effect that they can have upon their victims. What are these awful effects of being in an abusive relationship with a narcissist? Um, actually what starts to happen is you will get a post-traumatic type of response. Um, when I was a younger person, um, I got uh, beaten up in a club. I was hit with a glass and uh, in the side of my face. Somebody had butted me and then they, they broke uh, half a pint glass into the side of my eye. So it broke and then little pieces of glass went into my nose, into my lips and then uh, underneath my eye. I was very lucky that more damage didn't occur. Because whilst I was on a night out, somebody out of the blue targeted me because they thought that I was doing something that they didn't like, that I absolutely would have had the right to do had I chosen to do it. He wanted to hurt me and cut my face open with a piece of broken glass because he didn't like that idea of what he thought I was doing. Um, in this case, he thought I was gay. And it was a, it was a gay bashing. Um, and he wanted to break a glass into my face because I, he thought I was gay. That put me, the injury wasn't, the injury sounds bad. Um, and it was, it was hassly because there was a lots of little slivers of, of, if he'd broken it first and then done it, there would just be scar tissue here. As it was, the only scar tissue that remains is the impact break along the side of my eye, where, where the glass actually broke along the side of my eye, the, the, the skin there is very thin and burst open. Um, the emotional and psychological damage was way worse because up until that age, that age 21, I didn't live in a world where people gave other people serious injuries, total strangers, serious injuries, just because of their private sexual preferences. I didn't live in that reality. Similarly, um, at the age of 31, 32, when I really red-pilled to what narcissistic abuse is and woke up from a narcissistically abusive relationship with somebody who was a classic narcissist, borderline, histrionic, and having antisocial personality disorder, meaning she was a psychopath, um, it was horrifying to me at the level of my map of reality being challenged, at the level, not to say, there were incidents that I went through with her that were deeply, deeply unpleasant. There were things that she did, there were things that she said. My mind could play out certain incidents and go, look at this, it's awful. But, you know, I was a fairly robust character, I would say. I'd lived through a lot of different situations and been through a lot in my life. And I really don't think that any of that did massive amounts of damage. 
I think what did damage in the core of my being was that she, you remember the film Inception? The, 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 the whole, I, I rewatched it for the third time the other day and I realized, wow, I think I missed the point of the first two times I watched this film. The point of the film is that ideas are dangerous. And if you accidentally or purposefully put the wrong idea inside of somebody's mind, the effects could be catastrophic. If, uh, if you've not seen the film, then I suggest you watch it and don't listen to me for the next 30 seconds because this is a spoiler. The core of the film is the spinning top inside of the safe that Cobb's wife placed inside of her own mind to remind herself that what the dream that they live in for 50 to 70 years in their, in their dream state, that reality, isn't real. Um, and that, you know, that there, there is another reality. He deliberately goes in there and um, stops the top from spinning. So that her sense of, he, he breaks, what Cobb does in the story is narcissistic abuse. He breaks her sense of reality. And then, of, because the spinning top was her to, uh, totem first. And it was there to let her know, I am in dream space, this is reality. And to distinguish between the two. He went into her safe, into the, if you remember, there's, it's, it's actually, he doesn't, Christopher Nolan doesn't lay it on very thick. It's kind of quite quickly edited and just implied. She builds a house and inside of that house, there's a doll's house and inside of the doll's house is the safe and inside of the safe is the spinning top. So in the deepest core of her most vulnerable part of her being, there is the spinning top that lets her know what's real and what's not. And he stops it. And then he tells her. This reality isn't real. In order to get back to real reality, we have to kill ourselves so that we can return to our real families and to true love, to real love, because this isn't real. What happens within the narrative of the story is she then wakes up to real reality, but the idea is planted, her, her sense of reality is now broken, and the idea is playing in her head, you need to die to wake up, you need to die to wake up. So he puts suicide... It's, it's basically a suicidal ideation. He puts that into her head and what happens is she then goes on to kill herself. That's the essence of narcissistic abuse. And why it's so damaging is because it messes with the core of your reality. We can share stories of what our partners did. The stories, the, the sordid little tales. And sometimes it's interesting and sometimes it's funny. And sometimes it's pathetic and sometimes, you know, and it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's not. That's not the core of the damage. I would even go so far as to say, even if you were being physically harmed, the, the, that's horrible. But the fact that you were caused to live in fear is what does the damage. The fact that you're caused to live in a hyper-adrenalized, hyper-vigilant state is what causes the damage. And in that hyper-vigilant, hyper-adrenalized state, suggestions go in much more deeply. And what narcissists do is they chip away at your sense of self and at the core of your sense of what is real and what's not. So for people who, we, we, we belong to an exclusive club, I say this. Um, I don't want you bearing the badge of victimhood with pride or, or getting any silly ideas, obviously not. I want you to get past this and to move on and to go on to live a healthy and happy and sane life. But we do kind of belong to an exclusive club, whether it's narcissistic abuse or complex PTSD, whether the narcissistic abuse came from your family unit or it came from a partner. You can't talk to people who've not been through it about this because they will tell you that you're lying. If they're rude enough and bold enough, they'll tell you straight to your face, you've got this wrong and you're lying. I had people do that. Or they told me, you're in this relationship because you're a masochist and you enjoy it. 
you get something out of the drama of this. It's your. They basically re-victimised me and said it's your fault. You're doing this. Uh, that happened. That happened twice with two with two separate relationships. We can't talk to other people. You either got to talk to. You can't even talk to counsellors and psychotherapists about this. You can talk to counsellors and psychotherapists and coaches about this who specialise in narcissistic abuse and who have been broken by a narcissist. Otherwise, there's no point. They will tell you it doesn't exist or that it's not important, even worse that it's not important, and they'll make you swim in a soup of moral relativism where you don't know up from down and you don't know right from wrong anymore, and it effectively re-traumatizes you. Um, people then live the rest of their lives, or can live the rest of their lives as empty shells. They can become very, very bitter. They just age and live shit lives where they're no longer thriving, they're just surviving, and they're not having a good time. If somebody corrupts the core of your being and your sense of reality, if somebody causes you to believe, look, Love isn't real. Humans aren't compassionate and caring. They're predatory monsters who will take your love and leverage that love against you to torture you, even unto death. Now, for people who've not been in narcissistically abusive relationships, don't know what complex PTSD is, they'll say, that's, that's overly dramatic. Nobody's getting tortured. You're not being tortured to death. Well, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. Unless you've been through it, you do not know what it is and you have you cannot speak. This is not your terrain, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be watching this video, you're not welcome here. But if you have been through it and I say to you, it's like being tortured and they will, and they will leverage your love against you and torture you until you are totally destroyed. Your reputation, your money, your sense of self, your will to live. Uh, the, the Malay used the, the word uh, samanga. Your whole ability to drive, spirit, move forward. That's what Samanga is in Malay. They break that. They want that. They drink that. That's what is tasty for them to do. Um, for people who've not been through that, they'll tell you that that couldn't possibly exist. See, we know serial killers exist. Because serial killers is in the mainstream media. It's in, it's in modern culture. We know that there are a very small percentage of the human population out there that just something goes wrong and they need to kill people. They just want to kill people, it gives them a buzz. We know that there are rapists, robbers, credit card fraudsters, gangsters and drug dealers out there. But what we don't know is, or it's hard for us to accept is, this very commonplace, everyday evil. There is, there's no legal um, sanctions for this. You can't place a legal sanction against somebody for making you feel bad. You can't place a legal sanction against somebody for breaking your heart. There is no such crime as breaking another person's heart or messing with their head, um, even onto the point of like ripping them off. Because if you're made to do it willingly and it's within the legal paradigms and it's the assumption is, well, you were a conscious adult and you willingly of your own sovereign independent thought made the choice to give this person that car, that house, this money, whatever the reason, or that time, that emotion, whatever the resources are we're talking about, you got nothing. There's no legal fallback position. The law can't help you. It's like an invisible abuse that nobody outside of the narcissistic abuse or complex PTSD community even wants to acknowledge. Because it's, and I don't blame them, it's horrifying. It's a horrible idea that the postman, you know, the, the, the waitress at work, the somebody that you speak to like you don't know them but you speak to them every day and they seem really charming and friendly is behind the scenes working a plot a conspiracy against certain targets that they have 
that they take time out of their day to decide strategies to use against that person, to break their will, to, to confuse their sense of reality, to deliberately target their self-esteem and their self-image, to psychologically and emotionally break them down to inflict their will, the narcissist will, the predator's will, onto that target and onto that prey. Who would want, who, nobody wants to deal with that. That's a horrible idea. The idea that people would do, no, 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 people, look, look, there are sick people out there, but what you're talking about, no, that goes too far. That's the answer you will get. So what I did, um, ladies and gents, is because this kind of abuse is so torturous and does such deep and long-term damage to the people it victimizes, I've tried to create a concise course, it's available to buy now if you go to the links below, that would be what you would get from me if you did like three or four sessions with me. If you did three or four hours of coaching with me, because I can usually make a big impact on people inside of three or four hours of coaching because I specialize in this one thing. And the same process then tends to play out again and again. And the same solutions tend to be useful again and again. So if you're interested in the course, you can go and get it from, from below. Um, it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. Uh, it takes a lot of work. Uh, you know, there's like probably going to be three or four weeks worth of rethinking, restudying and restructuring to go into it, but what it, and it won't completely cure you. It won't completely solve the issue. It can't. The problem is too big. The damage is too deep, but it can give you huge relief and it can set you on a path to recovery. That's what it can do for you. It can actually get you to the place where you start to get traction. One of the biggest, well, let's, let's talk about some of the big effects before we wrap this video. A big effect of narcissistic abuse, self-isolation. You're hurt. The mammalian response to being damaged and to being injured is to self-isolate and to withdraw from the world. Great. So now you can't talk to anybody who hasn't been narcissistically abused because they'll send you crazy, because they'll deny the truth of what you've been through, which is going to re-trigger you and re-traumatize you. And you're going to feel like self-isolating. So guess what? You're probably not spending that much time around people right now at a time when you really need support and you really need to do that. But because it's so triggering and so upsetting, it's going to be hard to. So self-isolation is one big thing. Uh, Post-traumatic type symptoms, uh, extreme nervousness for no reason, being very jumpy, being very hypervigilant, being very adrenalized, nightmares where you like, well, like in movies, you know, where people wake up and they sit up bolt upright, sweating with their eyes open wide going, no, no, no. And you're watching that film and you're going, that doesn't, okay, that's a cool scene for a film, but nobody actually wakes from a dream like that. That's what I used to say. <laughs> so I've been through it, um, and I know other people, other people have as well. And that is just the damage to the core of your unconscious is so huge that the third major impact of narcissistic abuse that I want to address quickly in this video is the creation of a dark reality tunnel. Your whole reality goes dark. Um, I've mentioned the Lord of the Rings films in, in other videos. I think the whole Lord of the Rings saga um, is about... Uh, narcissistic abuse in, in a sim symbolic level and about mental health and what, what can happen when uh, people decide to um, harness a dark energy to inflict their will and, and enslave and empower other people. There is a part, there is a, a part in that narrative where darkness wins for a period of time and darkness just comes over the land and the trees die and the plants die and every, the sky goes black and there's fire and brimstone and it becomes hellish. Well, some people's internal reality, post-narcissistic uh, post abuse in their uh, 
complex PTSD, complex post-traumatic response state is exactly that. The world is a dark, frightening, fearful, aggressive, violent, torturous place where there is no joy, no light, no laughter, no fun, no friendly little fairy footed hobbits playing a violin on the table and drinking mead. All of that goes. Um, and then we lose hope. And the idea, the core idea in, in that story, again, you've got like a very small um, totem in the story instead of a spinning top this time it's a ring is that um, if you can hold on to hope and keep going think if you if you go and read I mean it's pretty well done in the in the books but it's even worse in the film this poor fucking kid Frodo what he goes through to return the ring and unconscious psychology the ring represents a relationship and in the darkness bind them you remember that he has to return the ring to its source. He has to throw it back into the lava in whatever it's called, Mount Doom. But in order, what he has to go through to do that, he has to keep hold of that thing or keep it around his neck. It's burning him, it's corrupting him and sending him crazy as he goes. And he crawls on his hands and knees to get there. And even when he finally gets there, you know, you should have seen these films by now, but here's a spoiler. You know, he still gets attacked. He still gets one of his fingers bitten off by the demon of greed wants to keep the addictive thing, wants to, wants to hold onto this thing that is corruption and poison and death and pain and torture because it's so beautiful, because he's been corrupted by it, because he's corrupted by the power that it offers. And yet uh, Frodo goes through it all and then uh, he's an empty shell. And uh, it's actually, they, they pretty it up for the film, but it's actually a very, very sad story because he, he doesn't function in, in normal life anymore. He's they, it burns him out. The, the trauma of it burns him out. And I think they take him off to the Western lands or something. And he goes and lives with the elves. <laughs> Basically just fades away because he can't, he doesn't, he can't go back from what he's been through. There is no going back from what he's been through. My view is a little more optimistic. I think that we can get back to being friendly, happy, uh, dancing little hobbits again. Um, but scarred. You know, these scars, some of these ain't, ain't going to heal. I ain't going to lie to you folks. They're going to stay with you. Um, you'll be a tougher, uh, wiser person, um, much less naive by the time you've gone through this course and gone through this process and, and healed. Um, but you're probably not going to go back to the wide-eyed, uh, sweet Frodo times with Gandalf and his nice fireworks. That's, that's, that's not going to... Even Gandalf becomes like goes oh, this cool pot smoking firework chucking funky wizard to like this really scary intimidating dude who gets it's an enlightening process he gets cleaned up through the suffering through the pain and he becomes something much bigger and much stronger um, as a result of everything that he sees these are stories the metaphors the unconscious works well with metaphors uh, which is something that you will find out about if you um, get this course and have a go of it uh, so yeah, I hope that video was useful for you, um, as ever, thank you very much for your time and your attention, keep hold of hope, and uh, I will speak to you again soon, thank you.